I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts, the 20th chapter. As we begin there tonight, you know that the Lord had really spoke to us at the beginning of the year regarding this specific scripture in Acts 20.20. And um, and he he, uh, spoke to us in regards to the year 2020 and that it would be a year of vision. And you know, there's um, talks about in the book of Isaiah how that the, um, the Israelites were compromising God's word And the more they compromised God's word, listen, the more blind they became to God's direction. That they they were not able to to, to see where God was leading them. And um, and here God says in Acts the 20th chapter, uh, he he says, how I kept Paul speaking to the church. He says, how I kept nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, number one, repentance toward God, and number two, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So, praise God. I think those two things are important when it comes to spiritual discernment, that that we live a life of repentance and a life of faith. Can I have an amen? I mean, repentance in the sense that we're always always, uh, studious in regards to our own hearts that we don't spend our time always looking at others, what they're doing, but we're always studying our own hearts to make sure everything is okay on the inside of us. Can I have an amen? So because that is what, that is what clarifies the clarity of your spiritual perception, how you see things, the ability to discern the challenges that you're facing in your life. You know, when Paul, you know, when the book of Acts was written, it was the outpouring of God's spirit, meaning what? God was going to equip, God was equipping the new believers with the ability, the divine ability to fulfill his will in the earth. He knew that they would need help. So he, so he poured out his spirit upon them. And we know it's the outpouring of God's spirit. Acts, the second chapter, ye shall receive, first chapter, verse, chapter one, verse eight says, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And that word power means dunamis. Explosive power so that you can, praise God, you can pass every test that the devil throws your way. You're able to conquer every adversity that you face in life in regards to your commitment to God. As I said last week, anytime you dare make a commitment to God, you say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I, I want to serve you. I want, I want you to be first in my life. You realize that with such a commitment comes an intensity of spiritual warfare. Uh, we have to remember that. Because if, if we don't remember it, we're going to think flesh and blood is our problem. And flesh and, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the unseen realm, the spirit realm where the enemy is. So God wants us to have the, the discernment, listen, to see life through the lens of our creator. To, literally, to, to, see, to see life how God sees it. Can you imagine it, being able to see, to see biblically how your marriage should be? Biblically, how to raise children. Biblically, how to manage your life. Biblically, how to manage your business. See, to see life through the eyes of God. That's what God wants. That's why he gave us his spirit. Because he wanted us to have the eyes of God and to be able to, be able to uh, overcome as Jesus did. Amen. He overcame, uh, he overcame the tests of life uh, and he did that for us. Um, I love the scripture in Hebrews 4 where it talks about that um, in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, that Jesus was tempted in all ways like as we are. 
So he is an empathetic high priest. He's not a condemning high priest. He's not a judgmental high priest. He's a, he's a sympathetic high priest. He's a compassionate high priest because he knows that we are of the earth earthy and that daily we have to struggle and deal with this earth suit. Can you imagine the freedom that's going to take place when we step out of this earth suit into the realm of the spirit? Praise God. Hallelujah. It's going to be a glorious day. Amen. I just got an email again today. Get one about once a month of RMEI believers going home to be with the Lord. And there's a couple that went to Rama in 83 and 84, just not much longer after we did. And it was a woman, and she entered her eternal home. And uh, I just, uh, I, I somewhat get emotional over that, but, but then, and again, then again excited that, praise God, they finished their race, and now they're home with the Lord. How many want to finish their race? I do too. We all do. Praise God. So that's what spiritual discernment is, is be able to see through the eyes of God. Now, um, Isaiah, oh, I read Isaiah. Uh, no, Isaiah 43. I want you to turn there. As you do, now you all know that we just entered into a new decade. And, and if you study history, you realize that with every decade, God seems to want to do something new. Not something new in the sense of outside of Scripture, but something new or inspiring that, that we as the church needs uh, in order to face this decade and, and walk through it with him uh, and be victorious in this decade. How many want to be victorious in the next decade? Amen. So God uh, does something good because he's a good God. Now in Isaiah 43, uh, oh, and then I must say God always seems to intervene something new with each decade. In Isaiah 43, he says, remember, he told the, Israel, uh, the, the, the Israelites, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Remember we read this? New Living Translation says, will you not see it? In other words, when God says something to you, you have to embrace it with, with, with your faith. You have to see it with your faith. See, if the children of Israel would have just captured the vision of a promised land flowing with milk and honey, if they would have just held down to that picture, they would have made it. They would have made it. And so God gives us these spiritual promises, these eternal promises, and or gives you a revelation of a truth in the word of God. He's given it to you for a purpose so that you can embrace it with your spiritual eyes and hold on to it knowing that God does not fail his word. If he gives you something, he'll bring it to pass. Can I have an amen? amen. Our part is to believe it and to hold on to it. Do, New Limit Translation, do you not see it? So God wants us, to, he's saying to us, will you see it? Will you choose to see it? Or are you going to be blinded by your rebellion or your unbelief? He says, I want, he was telling the Israelites, I want you to see it. Hallelujah. And how are they to it? Through the eyes of faith. Imagine it, expect it, and give thanks for it. Verse 25. I even I am that am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. And I love this. You can see the, the love of God and the, the, the compassion and the depths of his mercy as he's telling the Israelites, I am he that blots out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. So put me in remembrance and let us plead together therefore, or declare thou, that thou mayest be justified. And again, Said it a hundred times, thousand times. When you transgress against God's word, 
Go to him with humility. Go to him with repentance. And praise God, he will justify you. He is not for against us. He's for us. <clears throat> See, what, what really hurts us is when we don't go to him. That's what hurts us. Because then the enemy gets a foothold in there and makes things a whole lot worse than they could be. Because God knows that we're going to make mistakes. He's not looking for a perfect church. He really isn't. He's not looking because he knows he cannot get perfection out of us. <clears throat> he can't. He can't. And so what do we do? We trust in his perfection. We trust in his faithfulness. Can I have an amen? We trust in his unfailing love. Amen. I said amen. So he, he, you can, when he says, come, let us plead together, you can hear the heart of God pleading for his people so that, so that they, can, they can have a hope in the future. See, in, in Isaiah, if you read the whole chapter, the whole book, you realize that the Israelites often backslid against God, and it brought them much heartache and pain. So God is telling them, hey, you've suffered enough. Now, please return to me, praise God, and I will forgive you, and I will justify you, and I'll make things right with you. Isn't that awesome? I said, isn't that awesome? Praise God. It's, that's God, God's uh, heart. And so he was telling them that, that things are going to change for the better. Behold, or focus on this promise. I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth. You will know it. I will make a way. Now, I love this part. Watch this. I will make... Let's go. Oh. Didn't, in that scripture up there, I will make a way in the wilderness. He says, I, watch this. Uh, let me read it. I will make a way, this is God speaking, in the wilderness. That means divine direction. Doesn't it? See, the things they, just stop for a moment. Stop up and think about the, 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 the mindset of the Israelites when they left Egypt. Yes, everything was so supernatural about their deliverance. But what they didn't understand was that Faith would be required of them walking through the desert. Again, how many here are, you got Christ in your heart tonight? Okay, so you know that God made you his child. It, uh, and any of you have, that have ch children as a parent, you know you're going to take care of them. And if they do get in trouble, you're going to be the first one there to help them. Can I have an amen? Yeah. Yeah, are you happy about some of the decisions they make? Absolutely not. But the heart of a parent will always be there to help their children, praise God. That's the way God is towards us. He really is. We are his children. And the Bible says here that he, I will make a way in the wilderness. And the Israelites were, when they got in that wilderness, all that was required of them is trust me. God is saying, trust me. Follow the man of God, Moses, and trust me. Time and time again. I mean, the first thing, they weren't out three days and they're, they're, they're bickering and they're, uh, they're, they're complaining because they got, came to a place where the waters were bitter. And what did Moses? So they cried out complaining. Instead of praising God that for three days God took care of them, surely he's going to take care of us now. They didn't. So Moses, God, Moses prays and he throws a stick into the water and the waters are made sweet. Shout hallelujah. <laughs> See, I'm going to make a way in the wilderness, divine direction. And I love this. And rivers in the desert, that's divine provision. So when you're in the wilderness, the Bible says he's going to give you the direction you need. He'll be your GPS. And then when it comes to the wilderness where there is no water, 
I'm going to make sure that you have rivers of water. And you know that the rock followed them. Can you imagine that? For 40 years, they were in the wilderness, and wherever they went, a rock would follow them, and water would gush out of that rock and feed them supernaturally. Now, you would almost think, you know, they wouldn't doubt after that. But how many times have God divinely intervened in our lives, and then something tough happens, and we're right back to, huh, I just don't know how we're going to do this. Just don't know. God knows. He's in the wilderness with you. He really is. He's faithful. I said he's faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. So not only have we entered into a new decade, we've entered into a new era where the Spirit of God is awakening us to his word so that we can enjoy the blessings of what he wants for us this, this, in this decade or in this era. What is an era? And I looked it up. It's, it's a long and distinct period of history with a particular feature or a characteristics. And then I said, well, how long does it, I mean, what is the length of an era? Well, they said it's anywhere from 10 years to 60 years. I don't know where they get that. So an era is 10 years. And the moment I read that, I thought of all of the eras that we have experienced since her and I have been saved. I mean, I just, and I'll, I'll, well, there's a couple there that we weren't part of, and, um, and, and I'll give you some of, the, um, some of the eras that we've experienced in America. The era, number one, of, of the healing revival, which really began in the early 40s and lasted into the 50s, and they said that lasted about 10 years. And then there was the era of the charismatic movement, which God poured out his spirit upon all flesh, like he did in the day, on the day of Pentecost, upon all denominations of which we were part of. We got saved in 71, but the charismatic movement started in the 60s and lasted about 10 years into the 70s. And then there was the era of the faith movement, which began in the latter 70s and into the 80s, which we were part of. Again, we were part of these divine moves of God. And, and then there was the teaching movement, which began in the 80s and moved into the 90s. And then what happened? Well, I, I don't know if this is... Uh, you know, uh, timing-wise, but then the church became distracted, listen, by her pursuit of secular sec success and prosperity, distracted from the spiritual and attracted to the temporal. So there was years where we went through that, where people were more, in, more excited about prospering uh, outwardly in, uh, more than inwardly. Now, that doesn't, I mean, praise, God was still there, moving, but we got cheated out of the spiritual advancement that God had for us by becoming distracted or, uh, uh, from the spiritual and attracted to the temporal. And then, praise God. I mean, how many are glad that God is still moving? <clears throat> but how many want to move with him? Yeah. <clears throat> now, speaking of that, back when we got, back in the 70s when we got saved, again, this was a move of God's spirit. I've shared this before. But it was an outpouring of God's spirit upon de the denominations. The Catholics, the Methodists, the Lutherans, they were getting saved by the thousands and flooding out of their denominations into, into auditoriums, uh, school gymnasiums, and God pouring out his spirit upon people who just, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, it was just supernatural. It was supernatural. Yes, people might have been hanging out, hanging out, or handing out, you know, tracks and stuff, but it was way more than that. It was God moving. And guess what? He's going to move like that again. 
Amen. And this is what we need to prepare ourselves for, to be part of the reason that, the reason I say that is because even the church that my beautiful wife was raised in said that that can't happen. You know, God can't move like that. If he's going to move, it's got to be inside these walls. And so they literally, they literally missed that great move of God's spirit or didn't participate in it. So we don't want to become like the Pharisees and scribes and miss the move of God, whatever God wants to do. Can I have an amen? And God is, once again, there's an era to which he's moving upon his people to return to him. This is what I'm believing is first going to happen. There's going to be a returning of many, many thousands, if not millions of believers that were once dedicated to the Lord and got swept up with this worldly stuff, and now they're coming back to, to Jesus because they're tired of they're tired of the world. They're tired of their sin. They're tired of the lifelessness that this world offers you. And it really is empty. You can have an amen. So I believe this is part of the era that we're in today. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And I believe we're in a time where even this next couple of weeks and when we enter into this, this, um, this revival, something that we haven't uh, done for a week of meetings. And, and I, now whether, see, I'm always pretty much pretty transparent with people, you know. And, uh, but it's a, it's a step of faith for us to have a week-long meeting. And I mean, it is. It's a step of faith. And what's that? Yeah, it's true. It was an idea. But it's still a step of faith for us to have a week-long meeting. Is anybody, is anybody going to show up? I say that every week. But anyway, I'm just, we're all the same people. Come on. I'm not trying to be some great spiritual um, uh, you know, anchor, act like I'm something. I'm not. I'm, I have the same fears that others have. But praise God, we conquer those fears with our faith, don't we? Trust in God. But I'm just saying, those things come into your mind. Or what's the kind of meetings we are going to have? We're going to have Holy Ghost meetings. And, amen. And you know why we're going to have them? Because of how you responded right there. That's why we're going to have them. Why don't you give God a good shout of praise? Amen. We're going to have Holy Ghost meetings. God is once again moving within his people, not only return to him, but return to him even within the realms of the local churches so that the church corporately will, will labor together in prayer, labor together in worship, labor together, praise God, in, in um, being equipped with the Holy Ghost so that we can, so that we can uh, move uh, by the Holy Ghost. I believe with all my heart the gifts of the Spirit are going to start to be in operation more and more and more. So that when people come in here, uh, we, I mean, I, I've seen this through the years. It happened, it's happened to us uh, through the years when we, when we desperately needed, not that we were seeking for it, but we desperately needed a word from God, and God was there at the exact right time that we needed a word. Amen. And that's what we want to see more and more of. That's what we want. There's nothing wrong. Listen, you don't have to go to this church and that church and this meeting and that meeting to hear from God. You come right here and God will speak to you because he cares about you, amen, and will have a word from heaven for you. Can I say amen to that all? Amen. So then, then there's, there's coming a time when all four of these movements, the healing revival, the charismatic movement, the faith movement, the teaching movement, will all come together as one big movement uh, in these last days so that we, listen, we will experience 
uh, the, the joys of bringing in the harvest of souls. I've said this through the years, and I mean it. And I'm sure maybe you have said it. Because if I were to ask for a raise of hands, how many of you have literally led 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 10, 1,500 people of the Lord? Most of you would say, I, 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 if maybe one. And so we know that God knows this. He, he's not disappointed. Because God is the one that's going to bring the harvest in. God is the one. He talks about the angels. I wish I had looked it up. That the angels are his harvesters. And I'm telling you, we're going to have divine equipping to bring the harvest in. It's not going to be just you and I trying to do something out of our physical strength. It's going to be God moving by his spirit. Hallelujah. And we just get the joys of watching him, watching him convict and change the hearts of people. Amen. Three keys which will pre prepare us for this era. Number one, recognition. Our part is to recognize that God is moving. And, and what's interesting, and, and I wrote this down, but are we willing to move with him? God is moving, and will, be, will we be willing to move with him? And I believe that you will be. I mean, I mean that. I believe that we have a church of believers now that have been just walking by faith, uh, enduring hardness as good soldiers, and God's going to honor us this year with a harvest. Why don't you all lift your hands up and give him praise right now for that. Thank you, Father. Amen. Number two, expectation. Expectation on our part will create the atmosphere for God to move as he wills. Expectation. These meetings, um, and I even feel it here tonight. Uh, you came with expectation. Because that's what God wants in these meetings. Uh, and again, I'm not, uh, listen, I'm, I'm way too old to be insecure. I'm not insecure anymore. Uh, I, I mean, in the sense, when we have ministers in, I'm really blessed to have them in. But, I, but, but at the same time, I want you to come with an expectation to hear what the Spirit is saying, not an expectation to hear what a man is saying. Amen. I, amen. And I believe you know, you know, most of you know the difference, that you're going to come to hear from the Spirit of God, not from a man of God. Amen. And there's going to be things he'll say that maybe you're not so, you know... <laughs> You know, I, you know, if we had to sit and try to, try to lay down everything someone's going to say, and we're all going to be in agreement with it, that ain't going to happen. I said that ain't going to happen. But what I do know is the, is the young man coming is uh, filled with the Holy Ghost, and he's going to give us some words from heaven. Can I have an amen? And this is what I'm believing for is the miraculous. I'm believing for God to move by his spirit for the people that you bring. God's going to touch them and heal them and set them free. Amen. Number three, response. Our individual and corporate response to his prophetic words of promise will ultimately determine the length of this era. It means we have to, we have to be responsive. Uh, when we're praising God, we need to be responsive. When we worship God, we need to be responsive. Uh, because uh, uh, the years ago when we were first kids, young kids, you know, you may not know this, but Vicky and I, we were first saved. I, I knew, Andy, I knew three chords. Thank God some of those songs only had three chords because we'd have been... Just wouldn't have worked without it. And all I knew was three chords. But we'd, we were so passionate that we'd get a hay rack and go. And we did this. We did this, uh, we did this for a few years while we were in Montevideo. We'd get a hay rack and we'd go out to the fairgrounds uh, during the fair and we'd set up some speakers and we'd sing songs and, and hand out tracks. <laughs> I know. But I mean, that's how passionate we were. We just, how can you shut your mouth when God has done such great things in your life, how can you, I mean, how can you shut your mouth? We couldn't. 
Yes, I wasn't probably mature spiritually. Maybe didn't, you know, say all the right things, but people knew that Jesus Christ had changed my life. Hallelujah. And I couldn't shut up. I had to tell somebody. Amen. And I'm telling you, we, we had a blessed time watching people respond to the gospel. And you know what? We'll get to heaven one day. And, and some of you are going to walk up and say, you know, Mike, you sang those goofy songs uh, back there in the hay rack. But I tell you, they touched my heart and I got saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, yeah. Don't you want that for you also? Amen. That you lived a life where somebody was convicted and their life was changed. That's what you want. Praise the Lord. So anyway. 2020 vision is the ability to see and discern every aspect of your spiritual life in relationship to God's word and his will. What do I mean? Well, first of all, again, we, only, we can only see what God shows us. And, and if this is what I want from God. I want to make sure that, that God is always correcting me if, especially if I'm moving away from God, moving, moving, getting colder instead of hotter. How many agree that we want God to convict us if we're growing cold or lukewarm? I want to be, you and I want to be on fire for God. Hallelujah. Is Jesus my real, is he really my first love? I, I question these things. Is Jesus really, I said to the Lord one day, so years ago, I was, I was weeping for him. Maybe I was just going through some hard times. And I was weeping before the Lord, and I said, Lord, I know you. I said, Lord, I love you. And immediately this thought came to mind. Well, and I said to him, well, only you know if I really do. And it was humbling for me. Lord, I love you. You know what Jesus said to the disciples? If you'll love me, you'll keep my commandments. Amen. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And that's another thing I think is kind of crazy today you know we think about the commandments how many believe that the commandments the ten commandments are for us today as much as they were for the Israelites of course they are all of them are all ten but the good news is we can keep them now because we have the spirit of God living within us isn't that good hallelujah I said hallelujah um I wish Pastor Vicky was in here she um uh, if you have, have, if you've never been to a prayer service at uh, five to nine on Sunday mornings, um, get there sometime because there's such a there's such a prophetic flow on those in those services. And the, I guess the reason they are is because everybody there is expecting it. Everybody there is kind of united in what they are. They're united with one heart, one love, and one faith. And, 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 God, and, and Pastor Vicky flows, really flows in the prophetic giftings. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that so that you will, even on a Sunday morning, in regular, in, not regular, in the second service, which is 10 o'clock, that you will come and draw from that gift within her because she will speak prophetically things that uh, we need to hear corporately or things that you need to hear individually. I, I just, it, it's just, it just flows through her. I'm not, she's not a prophet. She's not a prophetess, but she flows in the gift of prophecy. And she talked about, uh, God began to speak to her about the, the 20s, uh, the 1920s. And how, again, that's an error. Let me say it this way. In 1919, um, the war, World War I, had pretty much, it's, it, they, they declared peace or de declared 
victory over Germany in, in, in the latter part of 18, but actually went into 1919, 1918 to 1919. And so then, of course, came the new era of the 20s. And with the 20s, of course, um, you would think that the, the, the United States would have been broken, would have been humble, would have been thankful that God had spared our nation and we won that war. But that wasn't the case at all. It, it, and the 20s turned into what? The, the roaring 20s. And I didn't know. The, the Spirit of God spoke to her. And, said, and talked to her about the Roaring Twenties. And Vicky knew nothing about the Roaring Twenties. We're not that old. Anyway, the Roaring Twenties. And so, so, um, uh, um, so she goes back and begins to investigate the Roaring Twenties. And realized that it was during that time, where instead of a nation moving towards God now, uh, just with a heart of thanksgiving, you know, and uh, with, for the loss of life, I mean, for, you know, the lives that were preserved and all the lives that were lost, that we, you know, came out of it victorious. They went the other direction, the, the, you know, uh, the party time. The shorts got, the dresses got shorter, right? And all of the dancing and all the celebration and all the drinking. And even though it was interesting, in 1919 is one that they, I wrote this down, was what they enforced the law of prohibition. It was enacted in 1919. It was, it was actually, um, uh, they got rid of it in 1933. But in 1919 was this law passed and what was interesting, it didn't, I mean, drinking went on, it didn't matter. They got, they got the booze somehow. And uh, which, again, they realized that you, just like today, you cannot legislate morality. Even God can't with us. I mean, right? I mean, the Bible says thou shalt not, but it has to be a revelation in your heart. And that you have a love, it's kind of like having, kind of like being with your wife. You love your wife enough so you never think in your mind, I'm going to cross the line and transgress my covenant relationship with her because of my love for her. Our love for God should be to that degree so we don't want to transgress his word even though there are days that we do make mistakes. But thank God for mercy and thank God for the blood and thank God for repentance and thank God for forgiveness. Can I have an Amen. So the era of this moral decay ushered in the 29 stock market crash and the total collapse of this nation's economy, which ushered in unnecessary suffering and heartache, which could have been avoided, which could have been avoided if they went to it the opposite direction of God. Very interesting, huh? 1929. So 100 years later, We've just entered into a new era of the 2020s. Amen. And while the moral standard of this nation really hasn't changed much, the lion, God spoke to Vicky's heart, Pastor Vicky's heart, and said that the lion of Judah is rising up within the church. It's going to start to roar. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and roar the resurrection power of God with signs and miracles. Praise God. Uh, amen. God is going to have his way. Praise God. If the church allows him to have his way. Can I have an amen? He's got to have a body to work through. Yeah. I know that, you know, it kind of bothers me. Some of the preachers, one of the biggest preachers in America, I love him. He's awesome. But he always says, God is in control. But God is not in control. He's only in control of what we give him control of. Amen. 
He's, he's only in control of what we give him control of. And, um, it, <clears throat> amen. So anyway, um, uh, Vicki was listening to a teaching by Lana Vosser. And she said there are two things that will help us prepare for this era. Number one is repentance. And I thought that's interesting because that's the first message that Jesus preached. First of all, it's the first message John the Baptist preached, but it's the first message Jesus preached. He just confirmed and reaffirmed what John the Baptist was preaching, a message of repentance. And then number two, a message of uh, an action of true humility. True humility. Amen. See, this is, this is why. Well, let me read this first, and then, we'll, then I'll make a comment on this. In James, the fourth chapter, verse 8, this is the Amplified. And I love this. Don't, and if you read on early on, you'll find out that the church was in derision. People were fighting. Families were fighting. And, uh, and, and God was grieved with it. He's, he's addressing it. He's dealing with it. He says, you pray, but you don't get your prayers answered because you're not dealing with the real issue. And that was dissension, division, and strife. So he says, come close to God. This is the Amplified. And, and again, he's addressing the church. He, James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, so he's addressing the body of Christ. He says, come close to God, and he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interests, and purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. Wow. See, God had to deal with that in the Old Testament. In fact, it was one of the, what was it, Haggai or which prophet, he made Mary a prostitute so that, so that he, the prophet, would get the, have the same feelings that God has in regards to the Israelites. They were prostituting themselves to the world, and God was grieved. So he's dealing with the same. Isn't that funny? The, just because you're born again doesn't mean that you don't have the same issues that you had before you were born again. But the only difference now is that you have the greater one on the inside to help you conquer those things. But they're still there. That's why I'm always very transparent with you as a church. That a church is simply a spiritual hospital to which we all come to so that we can get, so we can get um, uh, worked on by the great physician. <laughs> Amen. He goes on, as you draw near to God, be deeply penitent and grieve. Now watch this. Even weep over your disloyalty. I've been there before. Let your laughter be turned to grief and your mirth to dejection and heartfelt shame for your sins. See, years ago, we'd have people in our church and I'd, we'd try to correct them and they'd go, ah, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You can't talk to me like that. No, you're full of pride, you ding dong. No, I'm serious. See, I get in trouble every time I'm up here. Humble yourselves, feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you, he will lift you up, and make your lives significant. Isn't that beautiful? This is you and God. You being very transparent with God. So that's why I love Christianity. It's an individual. See, see, problem we have is that, you know, we're, we're always constantly trying to fix other people and we just got to work on ourselves. And then pray for the others. Work on yourself and pray for your brothers and sisters and God will work in them as he works in you. 
Amen. Then she actually read this, Psalms 119. I want to read it to you because I just want to see the, the beauty of the Psalmist 119. And this is, this is out of the Passion Bible. It just moved me deeply in my heart. Give me revelation about the meaning of your ways. This is the psalmist praying to God. I just, this is so beautiful. It just moved me deeply. So that I can enjoy, let me say it again. Give me revelation about the meaning of your ways, God, so I can enjoy the reward of following them fully. Give me an understanding. In fact, I want to start over and I want you all to read this. This is a prayer of consecration between you and God. Are you ready? Y'all can read, right? Okay. So I don't want anybody left out. Don't sit there like a bump in a log. When I ask you to read something, uh, you're in the army now. You're not behind the plow. So let's all read this together. Give me revelation about the meaning of your ways so I can enjoy the reward of following them fully. Give me an understanding heart so that I can passionately know and obey your truth. Guide me into the paths that please you, for I take delight in all that you say. Cause my heart to bow before your words of wisdom and not to the wealth of this world. Help me turn my eyes away from illusions so that I pursue only that which is true. Drench my soul with life as I walk in your paths. Reassure me of your promises, for I am your beloved, your servant who bows before you. Defend me from the criticism I face for keeping your beautiful words. See how I long with cravings for more of your ways, and let your righteousness revive my spirit. Please lift your hands and give him praise. God, we bless you for that. Hallelujah. I love that. That's so beautiful. The psalmist is crying out, hallelujah, for a spiritual intimacy with God. Spiritual intimacy with God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like the presence of God. That's why, that's why when we come together, we believe for that. We believe for a corporate anointing where everyone, everyone, the, even those that aren't even expecting it, everyone gets touched by the glory of God. Hallelujah. Everyone. Not one person left out because that's how God would want it. Hallelujah. I'm almost done here. Isaiah 55. This is Isaiah again. He, he's, he's, he's crying out to God and giving instruction to the Believers or to the uh, Israelites. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he is near. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake. He's, he's talking to the church here or to the church in the wilderness or to the Israelites. He says, um, he said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his unrighteous thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. You can't return to God unless you were first with him at one point. And you moved away from him. So he's, he's, he's really pleading with the Israelites. He says, let him return unto the Lord. And he, God, will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Do you think God would abundantly pardon your sins? Of course you would. You're his kids. You have a better covenant established on better promises. 
For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, uh, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my, my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, it has a purpose. What is it? Waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void. What's it going to do? That word of God is the seed life of God. It's the very seed of God's nature. He said it's, it's like that. It's going to go into the fertile soil of your heart. Hallelujah. And, and you water it with your love. You water it with the... With the, with the um, uh, uh, nature of God on the inside of you, and he's a water, hallelujah, up out of you will come God's nature in a greater way. Isn't that awesome? He's saying this, God's words the same way. It's way higher, way higher. He's got a higher, say God's got a higher life for me. He does. He really, he has a higher life. He's got higher thoughts uh, than these lowly thoughts that the world is um, constantly uh, preaching at you. Amen. He said, it, and it shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing which is your heart, whereto I sent it. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And I'm going to close in Luke 14. This is it. Just turn to Luke 14. Luke 14. Because this is something that every one of us deal with. Luke 14. Luke verse 15. It says, And one of them that sat at meat with Jesus heard these things, and he responded by saying, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Okay? Now watch this. Then said he to, then Jesus said to him, A certain man made a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time. Amen. How many agree that at supper time, you are hungry and ready to eat? Amen. Amen. We lived on the farm, you know. I just, we were talking about the other day that, you know, we ate five times a day on the farm. We got up at five every morning to milk those wonderful, blessed cows, <laughs> feed the hogs, feed the chickens, pick the eggs, clean the gutters. Oh, so much work. So by the time... Seven came, man, you're hungry. Mom made eggs and toast and bacon. Oh, man, it was good. See, I haven't had supper yet tonight. It sounds so good. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, then we'd, got, we'd do, head out in the field. I'm talking about summertime. We had to go to school, you know, in the winter. Um, and I tried to avoid it as much as I could. Anyway, <laughs> I, I love farming. I, I, I love being on the tractor. I just love that life. And so at, at 7 o'clock, we had breakfast and head out in the field. About 9.30, here comes Mom with the pickup. Out into the bumpy field. Why? Bringing us coffee and a sandwich and a cookie. Amen. And then that was good. She left and about noon come, we'd head back in the house. Why? Because we're eating lunch. We're hungry. So we have a big lunch. About 2.30, here comes mom back out with the pickup. We're on the tractor. No, we didn't have, we didn't have, we had, we sat out in the cold on our tractors. We didn't have any cabs. Farmers today are soft. We had no cabs, no heaters. The only heat we had was the breath that came out of our mouths. But anyway, so 
Mom would come out there. It was so fun to see her, by because you got to stop and take a stretch, you know, and she'd have a cup of coffee and a bologna sandwich and, you know, and a, and a cookie or whatever. And, and then back in the tractor, we'd go. And then from there, we'd jump into the barn and start milking cows. And we'd start around 4.30 and get done at 6, go into the house and have a good supper. Ate five times. Never gained a pound. Well, you all know you wouldn't either if you had that kind of schedule. Amen. I said amen. amen. Why did I get to that? <laughs> Supper time. Supper time. <laughs> Whew, thank God for the Holy Ghost. So, let's finish reading that. And... Um, And he sent, oh, watch this. And a, a, he said, a certain man made a great supper and invited many. Say many. many. Okay. And the Bible says, he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden or invited, come, for all things are not ready. And they all, say all. All. All of them. All of them began to make excuse. The first said, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Say excuse. Amen. And that, and my Bible says worldly cares. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Business cares. And I think it's amazing how the Bible is so 21st century. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house said, hey, I understand. Life is very busy. Oh. He says, he was angry, and he said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the, the poor and the, the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast said, and yet there's still room. And he said, he said, go into the highways and the, and, and the hedges, the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, and that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were invited shall taste of my supper. And when I read that, I thought, if you really are honest with yourself, if you're really honest with yourself, you'll admit that no matter how long you've been saved, that you are still can identify of being spiritually poor, uh, being crippled spiritually, and spiritually blind. In other words, we will never be whole until Jesus returns. You can have an Amen. And I think this is important that we all understand or recognize that. That what does that mean? Don't allow, even this next couple of weeks when we're coming into these big meetings, um, don't allow anything, no excuses at all, to, to, to hinder you from being, listen, at the right service at the right time for the right message and the right manifestation. Amen? I, I mean that. Uh, because other people say, well, I'll get the tape. No. Uh, that's not the same. That's not the same. 
And it's, it's very interesting, and I'm not here to be hard on anybody, but worldly cares, business cares, and family cares, listen, are the fillers that become our folly. And the reason, yeah, the reason they weren't hungry is because they had so many other fillers in their lives that they couldn't even discern the fact how, how blind and how lame that they were.